Welcome to the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency, helping you do more and be better. And now here's your host, Zachary Sexton. You are tuned into the Productivity Show by Asian Efficiency. My name is Zachary Sexton, and today I have with me, coming straight from, are you in England right now, Tan? I am, straight right. from London. The European traveler, Tan Pham. Welcome, Tan. Good to be here. How's it going, buddy? It is going well. You're you're bombing around and doing a lot of meetups. I understand there was a pretty popular meetup in London last night. 25, 30 people showing up, having dinner, talking productivity. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had roughly 25 people show up and uh, we just bought drinks and food for everybody just to make sure everybody had a good time. And uh, by the time everybody left, all the food was gone and uh, we still had a couple drinks left, but uh Everybody had a good time, so it was really fun to uh, meet everybody in person, kind of see who we've helped and you know the people we've changed and, and the families we've touched, and uh, it was just really great to see everybody in person because, as you know, every we do everything online, so it's not directly something we can see in terms of the effect that we have on people, but uh, it was kind of nice to see everybody in person. Everybody had really nice words to say about you as well and about the podcast, uh, so that has been a great hit over there as well and uh it was just really fun and i think we're going to start a uk chapter now people were like asking me about if they could host another meetup if even if we're not around and i said yes let's totally go for it so uh it's going to be exciting stuff coming ahead of us awesome asian efficiency around the globe and i I totally agree when we've done the meetups uh, two or three of them in austin um, and we did one in Portland as well. Uh, that's one thing I noticed. One, people are amazing and super smart and really grateful for the things we, we've, we've been able to put out there, which is, is great. And also, not big drinkers, and neither are we, so it's kind of interesting. People who are productive, I think, understand, oh, alcohol equals me not being productive tomorrow, so I'm not going to drink too much <laughs> of it. So it's funny you mentioned they didn't drink all the, all the drinks, even in London, which I understand they've got a bit more of a drinking culture there. Oh, don't get me wrong. They they drank a lot. I just <laughs> I just I just bought too much. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. Well, uh, enough chit chat. I, I today the the title of the episode is "Escape Your Email Like a Ninja," and the topic is really going to be about how you can spend less time in your inbox and more time outside of it on the important things. Uh, today we wanted to really discuss. The, the problem, the underlying issue with email so everyone out there listening is actually motivated enough to change because on a, uh, a post that hasn't come out yet, which is amazing, by the way, good job with it, uh, on email triage with your iPhone or with your mobile device, you had a line in there that says, whenever there's pain, there's change. So today is all about the pain. You're going to share a story about your your email inbox and some pain you've suffered in the past. We're going to talk about some statistics about how terrible and costly and inefficient and unhealthy the email culture that we've got going on right now is. So I, I, I guess let's dive in. Where did you want to start first? You want to start stats? Do you want to start stories? Do you want to uh, just paint a picture of, of where we're at with things? Yeah, I think one thing that would be interesting for everybody to know is this little devil that is creeping up on us called email. And uh, I was talking about it at the meetup as well. Uh, What's really interesting is that, so in 2015, the average U.S. worker received about 76 emails a day. So that's 
if you think about that and you think about the two-minute rule, man, that's like at least two and a half hours, three hours of emails that you deal with. So that's a lot of uh, time you spend in your inbox. And you know that assumes that you can handle every email in two minutes or less. Now, some emails obviously take more time. Some emails you can reply to very quickly. But it just shows you that the volume of emails is extremely high. And I believe uh, for the average agent efficiency reader, that number is even higher. Uh, we, we did a survey earlier this year, and I believe it was like somewhere in the mid-80s. That's what I recall, and, too. Uh, and so it's kind of scary to know that, one, you know, agent efficient readers have more emails that they have to deal with, probably because they're in higher function, have more responsibilities and all that. But uh, the trend is kind of in our disadvantage because if you think about all the progression email has made over the years, it's only going to go up. So back in 2008, when I had my first job, you know, it was, it was at the time when the iPhone just came out. So email um, on the mobile device was relatively a new phenomenon. The number of emails you got back in the day wasn't that high. And uh, there's this interesting statistic out there that says that, okay, last year, roughly 76 emails a day was the average for the uh, average American worker. In 2019, that's going to go up to 80. So it's going to be four more emails a day by that time. So roughly one email uh, a year increase. So what that really says is the email is not going to go away anytime soon. If anything, it's only going to get worse. You know, back in the day, you might have maybe five to 10, 20 emails a day. Today, it's probably over and over 50. If you're the average person, it's probably 70. If you're an Asian efficiency reader, probably up in the 80s. And this number is only going to go up. So it's kind of important to start addressing it right now, because if you're not doing that, you're kind of you're going to get behind because we're just going to get more emails. And there's just, unless you do something about it, there's just nothing that uh, will, you know, solve it automatically for you. So I think that's why it's really important for us to talk about that today, because it's just people don't realize that this is creeping up on us. Yeah, I I made a joke. We we ran a inbox zero challenge last week. And when I introduced it, I talked about our quarterly theme, which is you've got mail. So it's that Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks movie. And uh, back in the day, probably back in 98 when that came out or, or 96 was the first year that email actually eclipsed regular mail as far as the number of, of messages sent out. If you said, um, you know, inbox zero, people wouldn't have known what you meant. They would have thought, uh, well, uh, you're, you don't get very many emails at all because you're an inbox zero, where today inbox zero is the idea of actually clearing all of your emails and seeing what an empty inbox looks like, which I know some people probably haven't seen in, in years. And uh, yeah, the, the fact that more and more emails are going to be coming each consecutive year is not so fun to think about. Not only that, but... Just think about the number of hours you just keep spending inside your inbox. Like, it doesn't matter how efficient you are when it comes to email. Like, if you just have so much email to deal with, then it's just, there's no benefit really to it. Like, we we always talk about how life is to be enjoyed outside of your inbox. And that's totally true. Like, it does, you know, you can be extremely efficient when it comes to email, but if you still have a huge volume of emails to deal with, like last night I was at the meetup and I met a guy who had over 250 emails a day coming in. 
And uh, as soon as I mentioned that, you know, we usually recommend checking email twice a day, if not three or four times at most, depending on your function. The guy was just like, you know, you, you had this like deer in the headlights look where it was just like this impossible thing uh, that he just could not believe. And sometimes when we make these statements, people are just like, no, this is in no shape or form possible. Because I remember when you were talking about Lisa, like she was spending, what, seven, eight hours a day in her inbox. And yeah. now she's what yeah. down to one. Uh, down to one. She just sent me an email yesterday telling a, a, a great story. She had a all day training this Monday. So uh, it's just a couple days ago. Now we're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, and everybody at the end of that training was complaining about how many emails that, sh- that they had in that they had to deal with. They had to just go home and do emails at night because they had no other time to do it except for her. So she opens up her email and we've been working with Lisa for the last few weeks to really help her out and get her systems up and running. And after five minutes, she's processed all the important ones. So then she goes to her newsletter. Five minutes later, she, uh, she reads, you know, gets to read all those and archives those. She still is is like completely done. So she's just like, oh well, I guess I'm done for the day. So eight hours to ten minutes is a situation that is uh, is is actually happening if you do some things on the front end, do th- some things on the back end and get really efficient with your uh, with your email system. So, it's pretty crazy. I, that's an astounding amount of of time difference and one of the studies that uh, that we've actually had some research done for email and McKinsey Institute, which is a consulting firm in the United States, um, had a stat that 3 quarters of the time up to three quarters of the time people spend each working day, if you're an information worker, is spent on reading, responding, researching, gathering information, and internal communication through email. And if you add that all up, that's, that's, that's a little bit shy of where uh, Lisa was at. So it's six and a half hours a day. That's 30 hours a week. That's almost 3.9% of your work week just checking for new information, and that that stat actually comes from a survey done uh, internally at Adobe, which is a, a big software firm with thousands and thousands and thousands of employees. So, yeah, um, I, it is astounding as it sounds to us, who uh, you know we we do spend um, very little time on email because we've got no internal communication with our team, and we have systems set up to respond efficiently and effectively to the, the urgent things that come up. Unfortunately, less urgent things come up for us. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's out there and it's, it's what many people and maybe your listeners right now are, are suffering from a work culture and a system that is, is causing them to spend all of this time inefficiently processing and moving things around. It reminds me of the interview I did with Cal Newport a few months back where he's he has the idea of uh, of email just being just you're being a router you're being you're doing something that possibly an artificial intelligence in a couple of years will be able to do it's like oh you need this information from me here's this file there you go you want to set up a meeting time all right here let's let's put it into our calendar here we go it's not that creative deep work that actually adds value to your business to your life to your organization yeah like it's really interesting to see when whenever you're talking to people 
and you bring up these numbers and, and data that they just don't believe it. And uh, it's really easy to think that way because oftentimes when we're checking email, it's a very unconscious process most of the time. Like I think most of us here and people listening have gotten to the point where it's so habitual and so automatic. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. Like you just don't think about it. You just do, right? Like when you're brushing your teeth, you don't really think about how <laughs> you're brushing like your upper teeth and yellow teeth and, and all that, your front teeth. You just you just brush. And it's the same thing with email. Like people just like pull out their phone and just swipe, you know, they open the email app and just swipe. Um, and same thing on the desktop. And so usually when you start talking to people, and this is something I've noticed, and you start talking about like email, usually that's when they when they think about it, it's like when the conscious part of their brain kind of knows like, okay, usually I check email around this time or I process email around this time. But what they usually can't recall is the times when they just like mindlessly open their phone to check email there, when they bring their phone to the toilet uh, <laughs> and check email there. Like one in five people actually bring you know their their phone to the toilet and uh, check email there. Like half of the one in two people check email while they're on vacation, while they're in bed. Seventy percent of people check email while they're watching TV. So it's just like we're we're kind of. In a culture where we're obsessed about email, and um, and that's not a good thing, especially like what you just brought up earlier. Like, if we spent you know three fourths of our day, like a little bit over six hours a day on email, that's like thirty hours a week. That's like almost four working days. It's just like it's absurd. And what people don't really see is that yes, you're responding to email that takes time. Yes, you're reading emails that takes time. But what happens a lot is like people violate the touch it once rule. So they'll read an email and then read it again and then read it again. They'll mark it unread and then read it again. Like it's very common for people to read an email four or five times, right? And if it's a long email, it's just like a huge time waster. Then you start to deal with like conversations you have with people in your company. And then, you know, you have threaded emails and you have to go through that and you have to like kind of dissect what everybody's saying, what everybody's responding to. Then you have like emails where you have like login information stored or you have like attachments stored in there. And then you have to like go in there and find them and maybe you have them in different folders. So it's just like if you use email as like a to-do list, as a reference system, as a way to keep tabs on everything and you keep checking it every five minutes, it's just like you just spend so much time in there that you... Like you said, you just don't do any of that deep work. You, like, what are you actually bringing to the organization? Like, not that much, really. Like, you're like, I like the analogy of the router, like you mentioned. But also, one thing you wrote in one of our blog posts was, uh, like, an email inbox is essentially a to-do list that somebody else can write on and dictate what you're going to do, which is so true because anybody could send you an email right now and kind of, like, throw off your day pretty much in like two sentences, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of like crazy when you think about that. Yeah, that's why so many people start their day by opening up the email and ah, that is just such a stressful way to start it because it's somebody else's to-do urgently being thrown on your if that's your to-do list, onto your list, and you need to deal with it. Even if you had a great plan the night before, you're like, okay, I'm going to do these three tasks, and they're gonna, it's going to be amazing, I'm going to be super productive. You start the day with that urgency. It's very hard to resist. And I, I like what you said about the unconscious behavior 
when it comes to email. People just don't believe it. Um, so Lisa did believe it. She did kind of, oh, we had a conversation. She's like, well, I'm very good at ignoring them and, um, and I don't actually pay attention to them. Um, another stat that we got at, at, uh, from the Wall Street Journal is that the average office worker checks email 36 times an hour. And the, the idea of unconscious thinking and doing is pulling you away from your focus. Uh, recently, we had a dojo book club where we read The Willpower Instinct by Kelly McGonigal. And I think that unconscious behavior and that unconscious thinking was was very well illustrated when she talked about food. And she asked people how many times they had to think about food or make a decision about food in their daily lives. So like you wake up and you open the refrigerator, that's one decision. Um, I don't know if you remember this stat. How many times would you guess, Tan, that you have to make a decision about food every single day? Ooh. If I had to guess, it would probably be in the 200s, 300s. Oh, dang, you're right. Uh, it was I, My memory was 238. I don't have a great memory for numbers, so it's probably somewhere around there. But yeah, it's it's that many times. I, I, when I asked uh, Nikita and a few other people, they would guess 20 or 30 times. So making you have to make these decisions all of the time, and that pulls you away from your focus. That pulls you away from your deep work. Um, uh, do you want to talk about the, the flow that how much time it, it takes to get back into the flow of, of productivity after, once you've been interrupted? Yeah, that's, that's actually the scary part. <laughs> like it's not the numbers that is scary, but what's actually scary is just when you really think about it, anytime you get interrupted, you have to get back on the train. Like if you imagine yourself like riding this train, you're like going towards this destination which is your goal anytime an email notification comes up or really any sort of interruption comes up what it really does it it throws you off the rails so you have to like get back on the rails and and restart the engine and and get back on it and push that train forward again and so what all these researchers have found is that anytime you get interrupted you it takes roughly about 25 minutes just to regain focus just to get back into like okay what was i doing again oh yeah i did this um where was this where where, where was my train of thoughts um okay now i sort of know where i need to go and what i need to do so that on average takes about 25 minutes then in order to get to the same flow state like if you were really you know you know you know those times where you're writing and just like words are just coming out of your fingers like in order to get into that flow state again, it usually takes about 15 minutes as well. So if it takes a little about 25 minutes to just to figure out where you are and, and to continue where you left off, then another 15 minutes to get into the same flow state, you're talking about 40 minutes of like lost productivity anytime you get interrupted. And so that's just, you know, if you can actually get into flow state. But if you get interrupted every couple minutes, then it's almost impossible to get into that flow state again because your life and your work life is just being dominated by notifications. So if you don't, you know, pay attention to that, if you don't guard yourself against that, if you don't set up the systems for that, it's just almost impossible to get into that flow state. And, you know, people talk about eight hour workdays. Well, in reality, like, I think it's very rare nowadays to see people actually get two hours of focus time anywhere, like eating, even including me. Like if I can get two hours of focus time, I consider that 
okay. Like that would be like an average day for me, if anything. If I get if I can get three hours of focus time, that would be pretty good. Like I would be pretty happy. If I can get more than three hours, that would be like an insanely productive day. Like in reality, I don't think I can focus more than five hours a day. Like I, you know, without uh, lots of caffeine and other uh, nootropics or whatever. But two hours, I think that's like the bare minimum. And if you can't even get there because of interruptions and and, and all this other stuff you have going on, man, I, I, like. Honestly, I don't see where we would be today if we didn't have all of that uh, in place. Not just me, but also everybody else on the team. So I can only imagine people who you know work in an office and have people coming in and deal with emails and phone calls and all that stuff. Like it's a lot more challenging, and uh, just getting to two hours of in- uninterrupted time is going to be a challenge in itself. And email is just the biggest disruptor. So if you can address that first, that's going to be a huge, huge win. We would have either no articles being published every week or just terrible articles being published every week if it was a typical environment where people showed up, say, hey, you got a minute? I want to I want to, you know, talk to you about this thing or, hey, could you do this really quick or needing to be in your email the entire time? That would be ugh, that would be not fun. <laughs> Thank you for setting up the team this way, Tan. I appreciate it. Yeah, and our sprints would be not that great either. <laughs> oh, no. Wow, we've been doing a great job with the sprints lately. Uh, yeah, and, and you say five hours is probably your max. I think four hours is my max. I've done the, use the Pomodoro technique, and when I have uh, eight Pomodoras in a day, I'm tapped. So if it's eight 25-minute sessions, that's about, that's roughly four hours of focus work. And boy, whew, get stuff done, but, uh, but my brain's done. I think Mike has maybe six. He's kind of a workhorse. A focused workhorse. I don't know if I can do more than 12. Like, I, I've done 12 once before, but that's when we put the blueprint together. But that was, like, crazy times. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that whatsoever. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure there was some diminishing returns there. I, I, I Probably after Absolutely. about six or seven, one hour of, of work is probably equivalent to 45 minutes of work. And then after eight or nine, an hour of work is equal to, like, 30 minutes or 20 minutes. I, there's got to be a, 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 a diminishing returns. But if you're trying to get a project out, sometimes uh, even 10 minutes of extra work uh, for an hour is a trade you'd be willing to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I think we've spent, we've got some more stats up here, but I think we've spent enough time throwing numbers, uh, scary numbers at people. Why don't we start talking about some, some personal stories, Tan? Um, uh, an article that hasn't been published yet, but I just read had a personal story of how you suffered from not having a solid email system. And I'm wondering if you could share that story with people. Yeah. So this started maybe, uh, I want to say 2009 ish. I have, I have a couple horror stories, but two come to mind, which is there was one time, uh, when I was working at this job, my first job ever, um, Email was, like I said, the primary communication medium. So any, anytime we had a meeting, people would bring it up and say, hey, did you see this email? Uh, and, you know, this wasn't like a daily stand-up or anything. It was just like literally a weekly meeting that we had uh, and sometimes like at random as, as well. And so uh, usually I was like on top of email because I had to check it multiple times a day just to feel confident that, you know, I was on top of things. So anytime we had a meeting, I, I was new like, okay, First thing I need to do before I go into that meeting is to check my email just to make sure that uh, I know what is going on. 
uh, what was the last thing that said because if you came to the meeting and somebody said did you see that email and you said no everybody would be like looking down on you like as if you're not on top of your game and so that kind of feedback loop kind of reinforced kind of a negative behavior in the sense that you just had to keep checking email because if you didn't you would look out of place and if you look out of place then obviously you don't get promoted and uh you know you're not going to win any like social capital in that group so what happened one time was i didn't check my email for a while and so i was pulled into a meeting and uh people were like hey did you see this email about this and i I didn't see it at that time, so I just said yes because I didn't want to look like I didn't, you know, know or that I wasn't on top of it. And then um, they started drilling me essentially about what was in the email thread, and not, you know, not that they suspected it, but people were just talking about the project, and and it became clearly obvious that I did not know what was going on, and so everybody knew I was lying. And everybody kind of saw like, you know. 10 does not know what what is going on oh man and so yeah i mean it was just like it was just this peer pressure of like just being on top of your email just knowing what is going on if you're not you're 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 kind of a loser like you're not really an a player so it was kind of like you're you know everybody has white lies and stuff but it was i was just yeah i got caught in the middle and so that did not make me look any good i definitely didn't get promoted that year whatsoever um so you know, I know a lot of people can relate to that, but uh, yeah, just if you work in that kind of culture, like I've, I was, I was telling people last night at the meetup as well. Like, if you have any sort of influence, like you have to exert that as much as you can. And whatever we have for free on the blog, you know, show it to them. Um, if you're not in position of influence, you have to talk to your manager about this and see. I mean, the short version is figure out what you do and what you contribute to the company and then show them how all these email interruptions and, and, and email communication uh, subpar standards don't allow you to flourish, don't allow you to be the best version that you can be, which is holding you back, but also the company. And so, you know, one of the questions we get asked all the time is like, you know, I work in a big company, what can I do? And uh, in part two of this podcast, Mike will give some tips about that, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, have that conversation with with your manager, your direct responsible person, or if you're the boss, you know, implement all the stuff that we talk about here in in part two of the podcast, because it does make a big difference. I I just feel bad for people that are are in that situation, because I can I can totally relate it. It sucked. Yeah. And and if you're in a non manager or you don't own the business position, I would suggest uh, listening next week for sure, um, joining a, a, a presentation that we're going to be giving next week as well about email, um, but even listening to the productivity show number 38 with Patrick Hart. Uh, he has a story about, it wasn't exactly with email, but it was having a conversation with his manager saying, these are the things you want me to do. Here are all the things that are interrupting me and getting in the way. And his big one was emails, or not emails, was, uh, was meetings. Um, but, but email can be the same thing. So go to, go to episode 38 if, uh, if, if you need to have that talk with your manager and you'll get a good idea of how you could do that. And it's actually really interesting. So the culture you are in, you look down upon yourself uh, or people look down upon you for not 
reading and responding to emails instantly. And we're the opposite. <laughs> In fact, our uh, podcast editor, Jonah, one time was joking with me where I had sent him an email that day. And typically I respond the next day because I check email in the afternoons. And, um, and I happened to check email again later that evening and I responded to his email. He's like, whoa, what's going on, Zach? You responded to me within, uh, within uh, five hours. Is something wrong? Are you checking your email a little bit too much? Um, so it's, <laughs> and I actually saw that response later. I don't, I, I unconsciously must have been uh, opening my email. It was a Friday night and I saw that response and I didn't respond to him that day because I didn't want him to know that I checked email a third time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, this is, that's what we do a little different. Yeah. Like it's, it's funny that you, you say that because one of the things that people kind of, well, they kind of know, but they kind of don't is that the way you respond to emails and how fast you reply to emails, you kind of condition people in a way that sometimes you don't want them to ex- have certain expectations. So what I mean with that is like, if you reply to emails very quickly, especially initially to people that you've never met before, or you just start working with them, then they have this impression that you reply to emails very quickly. And so if you go on, you know, a day without email, they'll, they'll get, they'll go worried or scared. Like, Oh, there's something, there's something going on with this person. Like, is this person sick or whatever? Uh, so Sometimes it's kind of good not to reply right away, even though you read the email, because you don't want to condition people to think that you reply to them that quickly. Now, this is really a rare exception, but I do want to bring that up because like you don't want to condition and train people that you know, you're, you're somebody who replies to email within an hour or something, if, if that happens to be the case. Hmm. That's, a, that's interesting. I, I, you could maybe use a boomerang if you're a Gmail user to uh, send the email a day later or an hour later or whatever, whatever you wanted to do. Um, but we'll definitely be talking about more solutions on the workshop and next week with Mike. Did you want to tell that second story or should we save that? Maybe put the blog post in the show notes. No, we can put the blog post in the show notes, but the short version is uh, <laughs> I basically missed the credit card payments because I didn't check my email properly. That was kind of like painful because, uh, as you, as you know, Zach, you know, as you're getting older, you, you want to start looking into buying a house and like getting loans and, and whatever. And like, if you have a terrible credit score because you missed one payment, it just really sucks. Like interest rates are being jacked up. Uh, it's going to be on your record for like at least seven years. Um, so missing a payment really, really sucks. And, uh, like they have credit systems all over the world, but, uh, in the U S is like the most stringent, I will say, because from all the places I've lived, like if you miss a credit card payment or you miss a payment, it's usually not that big of a deal, but in the U S it is a huge deal. Like your score just like drops like hundreds of points by just missing one payment. And, you know, you could have had like perfect credit score in 20 years, but if you miss one payment, like it doesn't matter if you had a clean slate for 20 years. It just looks really, really bad. So the time I did miss it, I was like, oh, my God, like this is not going to look good. So I had to call the bank and beg them to remove it and uh, to not report it. And eventually they did. Uh, but it was just really stressful. So whatever you do, don't miss important emails, and especially when it comes to credit card payments. Set up auto payments. It's a short version of the story. Yeah, yeah. 
um, and, and how to triage your email over a phone effectively was the big thing. You had a, a wonky system. Uh, I, technology wasn't there, but your system was, <laughs> was kind of jacked up. Um, and, and I know about the, because you're traveling so much, um, we're, uh, Nikita and I like to follow suit and do some of the credit card travel hacking things. And she had one payment so three or four years ago that was, was missed or late. And her credit score is very good, but it was just shy to not get the Chase Sapphire. But now it finally bumped it up and she got the Sapphire. So got, but, uh, but yeah, it was that one payment. And to try to mark it off the record, we had to call all the credit agencies and it was just more work than it was, it was actually worth. So, uh, I, that's an equally painful story might not be for everybody and every time, but in the United States, especially if you're thinking about making a big purchase or, um, or getting free credit card uh, travel points. It's, uh, it's a terrible thing to happen. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. I don't have too many painful stories from, from my past. Uh, if, if they're painful, they probably wouldn't be as painful or embarrassing as yours can. So um, I, I'd say that the takeaway for this, uh, this podcast, this episode of uh, The Productivity Show, which is 111, is that the, the main idea is that you, you spend a lot of time in your email, that it, it takes you away from important things, it takes your focus away, it has a monetary cost, it has a, a mental cost, and, um, and it's better to be, be, be spending less time in it. And we're going to talk about some more of those solutions next week on The Productivity Show, episode 112 with Mike Schmitz, as well as giving you more information on the blog, like we we mentioned. So we'll put that blog post in there. And if you want to find out more about what we're publishing, as well as sign up for the workshop, there will be a place where you can put your name and email, and we will make sure that you get notified when that's going to happen, which I believe you said it was going to be October 11th? Correct. Cool. So it'll be a forthcoming completely free uh, a, a workshop where we talk about, we'll talk about some of the same statistics that we talked about today and a lot more of the solutions and what this actually looks like so you don't just have to listen to it. So um, yeah, anything else you want to say before we wrap things up, Tan? No, this was, uh, this was fun. Um, I hope everybody realizes that, you know, life is to be enjoyed outside of your inbox, not inside of it. So spend as much time you can outside of it because that's where you create the most value. That's where you enjoy life the most. And uh, I hope anything that we can you know, help you with will get you there. Well said. So to find all the resources, just go to theproductivityshow.com forward slash 111, 111 episodes, almost 2 million downloads. I just checked the stats the other day, Tan. Pretty cool. Woot woot. All right. Well, take care, everybody. I will look forward to connecting with you again next Productive Monday.